Welcome to Left on Red, the Daily Mountain Eagles political podcast. I am Jeffrey Winborn, the producer of Left on Red. Jennifer and Drew were unable to schedule a time to record this week, but what we want to do for our Left on Red listeners is make sure that we get out some content for you guys to enjoy. So what I've done is put together a best of show. Um, Up first, uh, one of the earlier episodes that we did was with the Alabama Senate Majority Leader Greg Reed. Now, Jennifer, not really wanting to get into a talk on policy with the senator, did want to discuss one thing with him. Uh, Anyone who has ever met Greg Reed will always agree that the man has impeccable hair. Uh, I don't think he's ever had a bad hair day. So let's take a listen to Jennifer and Drew talking to Greg Reed about his immaculate hairstyles. Sure. Well, we said we weren't going to uh, nail you down on legislation, but uh, we may break that rule a little bit. Uh, we've heard rumors that you may introduce something at one point that would outlaw uh, bad hair days in Alabama. <laughs> uh, uh, what say you, Senator Reed, about bad hair days? Uh. Do you have them, sir? <laughs> Let me tell you, it was a funny thing. Um, Commissioner Keith Davis here in Walker County. We know him well. Mm -hmm. Commissioner Davis always has comments about my hair, my hairstyle and all that. It's jealousy Um, is what that is. Yeah, that's what Mm -hmm. I call it. But um, Keith and I are good friends, and he makes that joke from time to time. There was uh, a scenario where there was a piece of legislation in the, the State House coming to the Senate from the House that was changing the rules for barbers and being able to use a brush on the back of your neck or on, on your shirt and that kind of thing. It wound up being a, a health um, a health department issue of some kind. It was something that I didn't particularly understand, a little above my pay grade. But anyway, as it was coming to the Senate, it was a huge uh, opportunity for my colleagues to really get me oh, yeah. good. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was a caucus meeting with a lot of laughter and carrying on to where they presented an opportunity for me with the brush to be able to be the guy to carry that barber <laughs> legislation <laughs> because I was the one that had the most to lose if something yeah. wound up being a problem, you know. So. No, it's it's. I think you should consider becoming a consultant at some point for for (laughs) up and comers like this one who has had there's no few uh, hairstyles since we've known each other today since you were coming. I just didn't even want that to be on the table. (laughs) I didn't want the comparisons. I can't handle that. I've also understood that perhaps one of your uh, fellow legislators uh, wanted to do some event like take money for the opportunity to maybe muss the hair a little bit and, yeah. and do some things i've heard that that has has been maybe in the planning stages that we would raise money for children's hospital or mm-hmm. just you know, to something come, great, just to come mess up greg reed's hair i'm, I'm and, in uh, <laughs> i'll pitch in on this I'm in. so that's always funny i was um from time to time if somebody says something about my hair I say to him, look, if I did not color it like this, it would grow out coal black in just a matter of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, we have uh, referred to it as perhaps the most perfect head of hair and, in uh, the state legislature. You know what, right I don't now. just want to stop at the hair, too. I think the outfit's always very well pressed, well, well put together. Uh, if I ever had uh, visions of going any higher, I'd, I'd have to get consulted. The Greg Reed look. I'm always, I'm, I'm a frumpy millennial. It's always mm-hmm. uh, wrinkled up, and I just prefer to wear a hat, frankly. Well, I'm just trying to always represent you all well by looking my best. Yeah, Doesn't that do sound it. good? You do it. You do it. <laughs> Since its inception, Left on Red has had some amazing guests come on the show. 
most notably was when we had the opportunity to speak to sitting United States Senator Doug Jones and his Republican opponent, then-candidate Tommy Tuberville. Uh, both men came into the studio on different days, but we edited it together and did both interviews in one show. Uh, part of that show, of course, drifted to Coach Tuberville's time as a college football coach. Of course, he is most known around here as the head coach of the Auburn Tigers. But in 2010, Tuberville took over for Texas Tech. Uh, succeeding a man known as Mike Leach. He is currently the head coach at Mississippi State. Now, Mike Leach, as everybody knows, is quite the character. Uh, I personally am looking forward to an SEC Media Days with Coach Leach once we're allowed to have such things in a post-pandemic world. But uh, let's take a listen to Drew when he decides to bring up uh, Coach Leach's old office in Lubbock, Texas. Well, stay on the college front, but switching gears a little bit. So you replaced uh, a, a pretty quirky guy in Lubbock, uh, a guy I like to follow. Uh, Mike, yeah. Did he leave any weird stuff behind <laughs> in the office? Was oh, yeah. there some weird drawings or bean bags or lava lamps? What was going on in that office when you took over? I had a full statue of a pirate. You know, he, <laughs> was, he was he was into pirates. That's that's his thing. He's into pirates. Had a skeleton. Uh, yeah. Had yeah. some swords in the desk. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the guys. He he went on a rant uh, <laughs> last week or the week before. Uh, someone posed a question about if the if the Pac-12 mascots got in a fight, who who would win? He went deep down that rabbit hole for quite a period of time. Uh, I get which SEC mascot would win the fight. I guess uh, I'd have to ask you who would win that win fight, fight if all the SEC mascots fought. We got a lot of tigers. Put them all in the room, yeah. So well, it's hard to pick like which. Well, ti- I, I, I mean, well, obviously, I know which tiger you're going to pick to win out of the tigers, but well. But the probably the meanest one is a Razorback. You think uh-uh. about yeah. that? I mean, those things. Yeah. You know, if you, you put them live in there, but, but uh, Razorbacks are thick-skinned. And, they are. And all that. And but, they just come running wild into the fight, too, yeah. don't they? Yeah, they just run over everything yeah. they get. But, uh, no, Mike Leach can talk a long time. Uh, <laughs> about a lot of stuff. <laughs> other than football. Do you ever hear him talk about football? No. He never talks about and football. And I love it. I love yeah. that he doesn't talk yeah. about He'll it. He'll get off on a – I can remember – he was. He brought this up. He got to be not friends, but acquaintances mm-hmm. with Donald Trump. Yeah, he's in yeah. New York one day, and uh-huh. he walks into the his his tower there on Fifth Avenue, and he tells the guy that's watching elevators. He says, "Hey, I want to go see Donald Trump. Can I meet him?" Well, who are you? <laughs> well, my name's Mike Leach. I'm the head coach at Texas. <laughs> he said, "I'll tell you what. I'll, let me get your name and number." Yeah. And Mr. Trump comes through here one day. I'll just give it to him. Yeah. Well, he did, and he called him. No way. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. He called him, and they, uh, they, I guess they become pen pals there for a while. That's but, pretty funny. Uh, yeah, but that's Mike. I yeah. can only imagine what those letters were like <laughs> back and forth. Oh, oh can you those, imagine? Those would yeah. be fun. We could archive those. Yeah. On one episode, Drew and Jennifer decided to have as a guest the publisher of the Daily Mountain Eagle, James Phillips. Most people around Walker County at least know the name of James Phillips, even if you've never met the man personally. Now, on the episode that he was on, he told some funny stories, but nothing quite tops the story he told of a time that he spent in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, revolving around what can who can only be described as a godsend in Miss Dolly Parton. Now, there's a B involved in this story, there's a possible Me Too story involved in this, and there may or may not be a restraining order against Mr. Phillips in Pigeon Forge. Uh, That's 
neither confirmed nor denied. But regardless, let's take a listen and see exactly what happened when James got within an earshot of Dolly Parton. Dollywood about, uh, let's say, this was about six, seven years ago. They opened up a new ride. Uh-huh. I'm going to be in Pigeon Forge anyway. I get an email saying that I can go and listen to a Dolly concert at Dollywood for free with a chance to meet Dolly. Ooh. It's a slight chance, but I'm it's a in. chance. So I've got to take that. I'm yeah. Whole family is at Dollywood that day. Yep. I get to go in the little concert, though, because it's just for media people. Uh-huh. First thing that happens is while I'm in the concert, Dolly's singing her heart out. I mean, she's just an angel sent from heaven. We uh, all know that. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Well, there was a honeybee sent from hell that showed up. <laughs> and so this honeybee is circling around. That jerk. Yeah, and at one point, there's a very nice-looking lady that's standing right in front of me. Uh-huh. This honeybee circles in front of her on her front side. Uh-huh. Which causes her to push her rear side back. Uh-huh. Yeah. As it goes past her front side, it comes around my backside, <coughs> causing forward, causing me to shoot forward. I thought you said this honeybee was from hell. <laughs> well, we meet. Well, what in the you middle. don't know is one of James's children is by this woman. <laughs> right. That's right. And we meet in the middle, and I have sexually assaulted somebody that's for the right. first time in my life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I just and that's am her. A, I'm apologizing. Funny. You're telling a Dolly story now. She's telling a Me Too story. She is, right yeah. Now yeah, yeah. About that moment. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, concert finishes after I've assaulted this lady, and there wasn't going to be a chance to meet Dolly. Mm-hmm. So I was very disappointed because I yeah, thought maybe I at least just get a hello or something. Yeah. But I see where Dolly is exiting from. And Stalker. so I'm not letting this stop me. I'm going to get as close to Dolly as I possibly you, can. I walk within five feet of where she's going to get in her truck. Uh-huh. And I've never fanboyed over anybody. Uh-huh. Like, I've met a lot of famous people. Uh-huh. Dolly comes out of the door, walk into her truck, and I scream as loud as possible, Dolly! Dolly! Like, I am shaking that I'm screaming so loud at Dolly. And she turns scared to death mm-hmm. that somebody's coming after her. And looks at me and just goes, mm, and waves. Oh, man, you terrified the sweet angel from I heaven. D- I scared her to death. You never outrun that either, James. No. You're no. always that guy. Oh, mm-hmm. that's I fun. guarantee you if she sees me walking the streets Pigeon Forge one day, she's going to freak out. Representative Connie Rowe, she is one of us. She is from Walker County. She's from Jasper. And... She was an absolute treat when we had the opportunity to have her in studio for an episode of Left on Red. Jennifer is always concerned that when we have a guest on the show that is holding public office, that they will, by instinct, and just naturally fall into wanting to give just politically correct, just the kind of just straightforward answers that you would normally hear from someone in that position. So Jennifer had this idea of getting Representative Rowe off her game a little bit. And just from the guy sitting at the end of the table recording it, uh, I think it worked out pretty well. Let's take this. Now, Miss Rowe, you do like to cuss. Um, so I, I want you to you do you. So <laughs> let's start with a couple of things. Beep, beep. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, we. Don't call we, me Miss Rowe. It makes me feel old. So let's okay. just go with. Representative Rowe? Let's just go with Connie. Connie, okay. Yeah, and as Connie, far as, you like to cuss. And as far as liking to cuss, I don't, I don't think that's a fair statement because um, having been in law enforcement for a very long period of time in my life, uh, what you learn in communications is that 
uh, you are not received well by your audience unless you speak their language. You just cannot effectively communicate with people unless you can communicate with them at whatever level it is that they communicate. And so in the course of uh, particularly being a female and wanting to sound uh, convincingly in control of things, sometimes you borrow some words from people who are different from you and were raised different from you and who are different people than you, and they are really hard to lay down when they are effective. Mm -hmm. And so um, I am selective with a group of people with whom um, I use bad words. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, gonna, sometimes I was just going to say, you do you, it's and a very, we have to put yeah. a, an explicit content label well, on this episode, <laughs> we Jennifer, will. we've just let the cat out of the bag dot. Cooner probably did not know that Connie's Ooh. mom. She probably did not know that. Is she, she going to listen to this words. podcast? I'm sure she will. Okay. Yeah, she's all about the Daily Mountain. Eagle, I'm right? sorry. No. <laughs> but the thing is, I'm very selective. I mean, when I'm when I have a friend that I'm very comfortable with, I'm very much me, 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 me. Uh, but you know, I, I save that. I save that. Well, I bring for that up because moments. if Drew was here, he would tell the story that when y'all met, you introduced yourself how to him. Um, I don't recall. That you say Greg reads cuss words for him. I do say Greg reads cuss words for yes. him. Yes. Greg Reed is one of the nicest human beings I have ever, ever met. And um, he he is a very nice, nice person. And he doesn't know bad words. Mm -hmm. And so when bad things happen sometimes and I see him looking for a way to effectively communicate with someone who is good at bad words, I step in and do the bad word for him. There right. you go. Yeah. And now, here's the question, though. Since we're talking about language... Who has the worst language? Is it police officers, criminals that you've dealt with, or is it legislators? Pretty close. That's what I thought. Pretty close. Um, and I bet if you made it to Washington, it'd be even worse. Probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Probably. But, um, you know, I, I really feel that way about effective communication. And, right. You know, and I learned a lot of, of really bad words uh, <laughs> along the way. And, um and how you can effectively communicate with those with some people. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to lay down after a long period yeah. of time. Right. But in Montgomery, there have been moments when they were very effective in communicating. <laughs> but James as far tell you, as, I didn't know cuss words when I started here. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Jennifer was such a sweet, <clears throat> innocent person until she started well, working here. As far as children and grandparents and parents and general public conversations, I store all the little bad words in a box and put a lock on it. Am I capable? Yeah. Okay. Steve Flowers, whose weekly column can actually be found inside the pages of the Daily Mountain Eagle every week, uh, was elected to the Alabama House of Representatives in 1982. He served there for 16 years, so needless to say, he has some stories to tell from his time in the state legislature, including one about a term called snowbirds. Let's take a listen. We have a, a museum in my home county of Pike, right there on Highway 231. Y'all may have passed by it going to the beach or something. And we have a lot of artifacts in there. And I knew we had put some money into the budgets. And back then, we, we all had to go through wallets to get our money, though, our pork money. We'd put some money in from the Ways and Means Committee over in the tourism budget. Uh, and I knew what knew what money was over there, but I, and I'm and I figured my museum was a legitimate tourist attraction, mm -hmm. so I was going to ask him for ten thousand dollars for that museum, and that's out of the tourism budget for my museum. Well, I guess Wallace Ben's wheelchair hadn't gotten out much, and he, 
I went to see him, and he told me the same stories. He said, Steve, I'm Ken the Shepherds of Fleming's in the northern part of your county. You know, I remember you were a page boy, and I was a page boy too, you know, and Chauncey Sparks made me a page when I was a little boy, and, you know, and, and finally he got through with his story, and he got looking at me. He says, Steve, how old are you now? He goes, you got a room in this room? I said, Governor, I'm 30, 31 years old. I'm your representative. I'm not a page anymore. He says, hmm. I've been governor all your damn life. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, I guess you'd be governor as long as I live. It might be governor. But you, well, you think about it. He, <laughs> he in his, was. In, in his mind, he, you know, I was a little little boy. He was a page. And now I'm a grown man, a representative. And he, he just occurred to me, I've been governor all your damn life, haven't I? <laughs> I said, yeah, I guess you'd be governor as long as I live, governor. I mean, I hope nobody runs against you. Anyway, uh, I was going to ask him for some money for, for my little museum down there. And, and I guess he had not been out and that and driven him around or something and he I said Governor I want to get $10,000 out of the tourism budget for my for my museum in Pike County he says Steve what kind of museum y'all got down there in Pike County I said well Governor we got agricultural things and our artifacts from our bygone days it's a very nice tourist attraction and, and it was and people stopped there and I said people stop on 231 and stop in there and spend money in the county and the state and everything you know he says, oh, well, Steve, and I know I, the word snowbird had just been coined. And, you know, a lot of snowbirds come down through Michigan and everywhere to, to go to the beach for the winter and everything. And they, go through their, they stop there. They, they really did stop there. Uh, so I used the word with the governor. I said, Governor, we've got a lot of snowbirds that come through there. And he gets a very puzzled look on his face. He says, Steve, what kind of birds y'all got down there in Pike County? <laughs> <laughs> he thought I was trying to get a birdhouse. He's on pain pills. You know, he says, well, Steve, what kind of mu-? He didn't know about the museum. didn't know about snowbirds. And I said, I changed my course. He said, no, Governor, we got Yankees to come down there. A lot of Yankees come through there. And he got a real puzzled look. He, <laughs> he says, Steve, what are y'all doing to the Yankees down there in Pike County? <laughs> <laughs> I think... I think the poor old guy thought I was trying to get some money for unsuspecting Yankees coming down through Pike County, <laughs> you know, or some kind of speed trap or something, you know, stopping or something. But anyway, he gave me the money. It's one of the biggest uh, donations the state's ever got from that, that thing. But anyway, that was an interesting snowbird. You've not heard the word snowbird. <laughs> it does not matter which side of the political spectrum you fall on. If you have the chance to work on a major national presidential campaign, you take that chance. That, that opportunity came for Carbon Hill native and Oakman High School graduate James Tingle. We had him in studio uh, last year where he came on and he discussed not just that, but also his time spent serving this country in Afghanistan. During the conversation, Jennifer and Drew got him to open up about the decision to join a presidential campaign and how that opportunity came about for him. Let's take a listen. So let's roll to that political origin story. You okay. you majored in political history at UAB, right? So this yes, or I so did. this is not yeah. something that started post military. You right. were interested in politics already. I, I was. Um, so I I, actually, I dual majored in history and uh, political science. Um, and so I was always interested in politics. I, I studied more uh, the politics of the Middle East and uh, North Africa. Um, and that was that was more of my focus, looking at how autocratic governments mm-hmm. uh, behave differently to the counterterrorism mission than democracies. Okay. 
So what leads you into taking part in a presidential campaign then? What does that path look like? Uh, so that, that path was very interesting. Um, I had the, the unique, uh, I was in the unique position to be in Afghanistan uh, during both the Obama administration mm-hmm. and the beginning of the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. I saw that difference. And there was a huge difference. There's a difference between what is actually happening on the ground and, and the rhetoric that goes out. And um, so... You know, Joe Biden was always someone that I respected, um, and I didn't. I initially did not um, have aspirations to necessarily work on a campaign. Um, and then, when the opportunity presented itself to work on the Biden campaign, I took it. So, what? Tell me more about your role within the Biden okay. campaign. Um, so, basically, I work with vetting and compliance. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's more of a risk management position. Um, and anyone who touches the campaign, they have to go through a vetting process, mm-hmm. everyone from an intern to a national surrogate. Um, and we, we look at their backgrounds and, um, you know, look at press statements that they've made, um, public records, mm-hmm. uh, criminal filings, all mm-hmm. of that stuff. Um, but then also on the finance side, um, I don't know if you know, we, we signed the fossil fuels pledge mm-hmm. uh, to not take money from energy co- uh, companies and anyone who's involved in day-to-day um, operations of a fossil fuels or energy company. Um, and so we have to go through thousands of people who donate to make sure that we're in compliance with that pledge. Yeah, it's super complex because, I mean, on the front end, you want to make sure you're getting a good human being, someone right. that aligns with your ideals. But on mm-hmm. the other side, you can alienate yourself from your voting base right. by getting an otherwise good human being that just somehow doesn't align with you publicly. Right. And then a reporter like Jennifer can go find that. <laughs> that's and me. Just kill you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a real thing that yeah. every campaign has to do. Well, that's a pretty cool gig. So you get to yeah. do that remote uh, always, or is no, that remote right now that during is, the that pandemic? Is, that is remote right now. And so, what is campaign headquarters in Philly? Is it that, is. It's, it's in, in Philly. Philly. Yeah. What made him choose Philly? He's a Delaware boy, right? He is. But uh, he's from. It, he's born in Pennsylvania. He was born in Pennsylvania. But he served Delaware. Right. So okay. I think it was. It was sort of that good middle middle ground. Okay. Um, and they always call um, Joe Biden the third senator from Pennsylvania. <laughs> so <laughs> whether that be a, a compliment or a, yeah, an insult. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. What yeah. was the tie to the Biden campaign? How's that opportunity present itself to get into yeah. the Biden campaign? How? Um, was it related to your work? I know when you came back, you had a consulting. Right. A right. consulting. I, 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 I did that for a little while. Um, it wasn't related to the consulting okay. or anything. Um, no, it was it was really just that I um, I actually finished reading uh, Joe Biden's book, mm-hmm. uh, Promise Me, Dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that really resonated with me, be, coming from the Army and then seeing Bo's um, journey in the Army and then yeah. his relationship with, um, with the Vice President. Um, and uh, so I applied to two campaigns, um, one being the Biden campaign and the other one was Seth Moulton, mm-hmm. um, you know, military guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got the, I got, actually got an offer from Seth Moulton's um, campaign. And then the, a day later he dropped out. <laughs> so, um, so that was, that was kind of funny. Um, and then it was like maybe a week later uh, that I got the offer to work on the And Biden you've been campaign. with the Biden campaign since when? Since September. Okay. Because uh, yeah. you came yeah. here for a Rotary Club meeting, I, I think, did. in the summer. Yes, I did. And uh, the person who put us in touch with you, Mr. Paul Kennedy, yes. said that uh, you basically left that Rotary Club meeting and went off to Pennsylvania. It was very, it was, it was very short order. It was very short. I, um... So I, I did my first interview with the campaign on like a, a Wednesday, and by Friday I had the job offer. Oh, wow. Was that an in-person interview or, or were you able no, to do it, that? On the phone. Okay. Yeah. 
I hope you enjoyed this look back on some of the more funny and entertaining moments of Left on Red's short history so far. Trust me, there's going to be a lot more to come. Uh, speaking of more to come, uh, there's been a lot happening this week. Um, several states are certifying their elections. Uh, the president is still challenging the election. Uh, the GSA has signed off on the Biden transition team to formally begin the process of transitioning. And I'm sure that Drew and Jennifer will have a lot to say about these events happening and much, much more. Uh, we hope that you will take a listen next week when they return for a brand new episode of Left on Red. Be sure, if you haven't already, uh, leave us a five-star review, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends about it, get the word out. Uh, we really enjoy doing this for you guys every week, and we'll see you all next week. Left on Red is a DME Media Production. Copyright 2020, Daily Mountain Eagle.